Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Wednesday, the 28th of July, 2021. I got the month right today. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. That's whether you want to do this maybe as a business come this holiday time, decorating other people's houses, or maybe you want your own house decorated just give them a call or a visit. They're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, in southwest Suffolk County. 631-957-5106 is the phone number. and The website is liholidaylighting.com. And then swing over to Omni True Value Hardware, not too far away, just about a mile or so away at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. Also on Long Island in Southwest Suffolk County, 631-756-1125 for the best prices in town on hardware, mulch, gravel, or supplies you might need to get you through the next tropical storm or hurricane like a generator or a new pump. Uh, check them out. OmniTrueValue.com is the uh, website. So uh, a big good evening to everybody. Uh, let's see if Mr. Rayo is on camera. I'm thinking he probably is. Yes, I'm going to let him in now. <clears throat> Enjoying the fun and excitement that is the Joe and Joe weather show. And here he is. Yes, we're on the... You're on the air. Hi. Yes, I was watching you do the... I was watching you do the promos for the uh, the uh, sponsor... Um, Yes. Locations or whatever. Exactly. Anyway. So um, we had. It's been a fun evening so far. Well, we had fun here last night, you know, uh, doing it solo, which I've said that we've done the show together now for so long, it's hard for me to go by myself. But I gave it the old college try, and uh, we did happen to go on an hour and a half early. So that's something because I had to go to. I had things to do yesterday and yesterday evening. I had to go to Pixley. Uh, and pick up a few things. I don't know if you've been to Pixley lately. Right. <laughs> no, I have not been to Pixley. No. It's, it's the biggest. It's the biggest town over from uh, from Hooterville, right? Right. And I ran. I ran into Miss Minnie Pearl. Well, how about Crabwell Corners? Uh, Crabwell. I have not been. To, I, I've been to Crabgrass Corners, but I have not been to Crabwell Corners. I did manage to beat Miss Minnie Pearl. Uh, she was out doing her shopping as well, so it was a lot of fun. I had, I just had a, I had some errands to run, and uh, I did actually. I was very excited because I found a local butcher, the Butter Creek, the uh, uh, the the Butter Creek Butcher Shop, uh, and I'm gonna have to uh, go there tomorrow because I'm I'm trying to find. <clears throat> I want to get my I want to get some venison. I want to get some uh, um, venison hot dogs and venison sausage because. Uh, I had that. I, I had. I've had that before, and I have to th tell you, they're the best hot dogs and the best sausage I've ever had. So I want to see if I can get my hands on it. Well, people have been commenting, Joe, uh, that uh, they've been seeing the uh, the Circle of Doom. Yeah. They've been seeing uh, seeing a thing, and they also said somebody said that there's a white hand on my hair. Oh, good Lord. Lord have mercy. Well, I'm, I'm getting, you know, the signal's kind of 
a little jumpy right now, but it seems to be settling. So <clears throat> just give it a just give it a. Okay. So. Okay, we're coming back. <clears throat> I had to pull the signal and 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 start again. I tried to switch sources just to see if uh, maybe that would help. You know, it is what it is. What can I tell you? Uh, it, it, it'll settle down in, in a bit, hopefully. Uh, but, um, yeah. Tom, Tom Contino, I, she will appreciate that. I'm not even know if she's online right now. Can't Mrs. Rayo fix it? <laughs> yes. If she could fix if if you could fix this, this problem with a chainsaw, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised she's not coming at coming at me with a chainsaw this evening or whatever. That Mrs. Ray was not in a very good mood tonight. Um, and why is that? Well, I had I have a I had a library talk at six o'clock. Okay. So she was a little late in. She said, "Okay, I'm. I'll, we'll have an early dinner." And then the newlyweds, although they're not really newlyweds because they've been married for over a year now, uh, planned to come over and join us for dinner, but. They have something wrong with, I think, their microwave oven. And the guy who was going to come to fix it said that he was going to be there between 4 and 6 o'clock. And then the, uh, the dinner was going to be late. I had to leave to, do my, to start my talk at 545. I had to go online and talk to the library who was sponsoring me tonight. 545 comes, and I hear my daughter, who's also here on the intercom, she says, all right, Bob says dinner's ready. I said, I can't do anything about it now. I got to get ready for my talk. And then she came down and said, what's going on? I said, <laughs> I said look, I need, I need to get ready with the library. And the, and the, the, the library was, guy was there, and he's watching as we're going like, <laughs> so she storms back upstairs. So I was supposed to be the first one to have dinner, and then as I was giving my talk, my son and daughter-in-law were supposed to arrive, and everybody was supposed to have dinner. But then, after I finished my talk at seven, about seven ten, and went upstairs, where's my daughter-in-law and where's my son? They're still back at their house waiting for this guy to come to fix the microwave oven. He's still not. He has, still hasn't arrived yet. So now my my wife hasn't had dinner. My daughter hasn't <clears throat> had dinner. I ate my dinner ah. uh, before we had our show tonight. So I, I'm 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 you know chicken and. Uh, and uh, potatoes and everything else. So I'm full. They're still upstairs waiting. Well, I think now they're finally going to have dinner. And meanwhile, my, my son and my daughter-in-law, they're still sitting in their house, probably starving to death, waiting for this guy to come to fix the microwave oven. I, nobody's in a good mood tonight. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, let me, by the way, let's just... Well, I'm, I've been fed. Uh, well, that's good. So have I. So have I. Uh, just let uh, Steve LaPointe uh, and Anthony Orr are both early super chat hitters uh, tonight. And we, uh, Joe and I appreciate that greatly. Thank you very much. And also, I have the link up there on the, um, on the chat board for those of you who have not downloaded the free uh, MJC weather app. Uh, here is your opportunity so that you can uh, stay on top of what's going on and you can even watch the Joe and Joe weather show Live or uh, on uh, on replay, 
uh, right directly from the app. And if you ever miss your YouTube notification, you don't have to worry because you'll get the notification on the MJC app that the Joe and Joe Weather Show is about to go live. And it's all free on Google Play or on the App Store. So just go ahead and click on that link. And also tonight's poll uh, is uh, about, Joe, the severe weather potential for tomorrow, which we, I think we should discuss front and center. Uh, the uh, Storm Prediction Center has a uh, anywhere from a 2 to 5% tornado risk for tomorrow. And my question is a simple one. Will we see tornado watches in the slight risk zone that SPC has put up? So far, uh, 52 votes. 56% of the population says yes. And 44% say no. And let's, by the way, also say thank you to Keith James II, who has also just hit Super Chat tonight. Thank you very much, Keith. Joe and I appreciate it greatly. So uh, I um, uh, I pose the question to you, Mr. Rayo. Does, uh, and I'll put the uh, SPC map, which they expanded. Now, the funny thing was, this started off, by the way, with them showing back a few days ago, this sort of east-west band of marginal risk in the lower Ohio Valley and completely ignoring the mid-Atlantic and to southern New England, and I, you know, I put in my two cents last night, and I told them, you know, I, I said I thought that maybe they, that we'd see SPC add uh, the slight risk and marginal risk and push everything up further to the east, and then lo and behold, there it was, and now they've actually expanded the slight risk. But this is what uh, kind of impressed me because we don't, Joe. How many times have we seen five percent tornado risk touching New York City? Uh, but that's what we have here, 5% tornado risk uh, for much of New Jersey, almost all of New Jersey, um, eastern, southeastern, south central, southwest PA, northern West Virginia, southeast Ohio, the whole state of Maryland, just about all of Delaware, and a small portion of northern Virginia. It's pretty impressive in this forecast that they have out for tomorrow. Yeah, and I, uh, by the way, I uh, while I was waiting for you to come over to me while you were doing the... Uh, Commercials for Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini and Omni True Value. While you were doing all of that, I did indeed become one of the uh, folks who voted on the poll. Now up to 59 votes. And I, I did go for the possibility of a tornado watch for our area for later tomorrow and tomorrow evening. Yeah, I, I, I do believe we're going to do that. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they even had us, <clears throat> excuse me. Before they expanded the slight uh, risk to touch the New York City area, New York was in a marginal uh, category. But even in the marginal category, they had uh, the possibility of a tornado, a 2% possibility. But they were going for that in marginal. You almost certainly would suspect that uh, in the slight risk area that there would be a higher uh, probability for tornado uh, activity. And it, it looks like, Joe, from what I was able to see, on many of the uh, models for tomorrow after about six or seven or eight o'clock tomorrow night get ready because i think we're going to be uh, the atmosphere is going to be loaded for bear for uh, potential severe weather right smack in our area i'm hoping i don't lose power uh, while we're doing the show tomorrow night but uh, it looks like we're going to be right in the right in the thick of things for uh, the show tomorrow evening right and they had a 15 percent uh, area in the slight risk of 50 knots or higher in terms of the wind. And they now uh, also added a 5% risk of hail, which they didn't even have any, any of that. 
before we go, I, I, I want to get into that a little bit more, but I don't want to ignore what's going on tonight in the upper Midwest, Joe. We have a moderate risk of severe weather here uh, that's uh, indicated covering much of Wisconsin uh, to just north of Chicago to uh, southeastern uh, Michigan on the lower peninsula. And that includes, by the way, a 10% risk of tornado in that a moderate area right. and a 45 I don't think I've seen this all year a 45% risk of winds and since it's in the hatched area uh it would be also corresponds to at least a 10% or greater probability of winds of 65 knots or higher within 25 miles of each point so 45 a 45% risk of 50 knots or higher and at least 10% of um of 65 knots or higher that that's 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 uh that that is impressive indeed and of course that probably means they got the two inch diameter hail which they do 30 percent uh probability there of the of hail uh and uh when it's in the hatched area it usually means that they're talking about hail that that's at least a 10 percent greater probability of two inches in diameter and on the radar tonight i'm going to swing over there uh it's still a little early but we're starting to see uh, and this is part of the, this is part of this cold front that's going to be coming through here tomorrow. Uh, we're starting to see some uh, some some uh, hefty uh, showers and thunderstorms developing up in northern Wisconsin, and the uh, storm prediction center. Let's take a look and see what's going on in terms of of uh, actual watch boxes. Uh, they they don't have one up yet, so this looks like it might be a, a more of an overnight event. They actually just issued. A mesoscale discussion not too long ago. This was at 22. Actually, they issued this over an hour ago uh, of a of a potential uh, a tornado watch likely uh, up in that area of moderate risk. And uh, they uh, said rapid development of supercell thunderstorms is anticipated in the next few hours, with a risk for very large hail, damaging winds, and the potential for two a few tornadoes. Tornado watch will likely be issued before 8 o'clock. So sometime between now and 8 o'clock, uh, we may see a, a tornado watch go up there. And you know, you when you associate, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, tornado weather, you immediately think of places like in Kansas, for example, or Nebraska, or uh, Oklahoma. And yet, the folks who are facing, uh, looking a tornado risk right in the eye tonight, are all, for the most part, in Wisconsin, Wausau, and Eau Claire, La Crosse, uh, Oshkosh, Appleton. You don't think of these places for tornadic activity. Madison, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. All of these places are in line for uh, potential uh, tornadic conditions here, as you just pointed out, Joe, in the next few hours. So uh, this will be something that everybody will need to watch. Well, not everybody. We don't have to. But we actually, we're, we're kind of like in the bleachers right now. We're on the sidelines. What we're watching is going to be part of our weather action here by uh, this time tomorrow. So we should take note of what this system is going to be doing tonight out uh, in dairy country, so to speak, uh, because uh, this could be our weather uh, tomorrow night. And by the way, let's not also ignore there is a slight risk of severe weather that SPC has in uh, in North Carolina and southeastern Virginia, and there's also a working severe thunderstorm watch there. Uh, although when I'm looking at the radar, there, there's one cluster of what looks like powerful storms moving southward uh, in uh, eastern North Carolina toward the coast, uh, 
somewhere not too far from Wilmington, probably east of Wilmington. There's an east-west little line, line segment there that's moving southeastward, and then another couple of stray cells that extend back into uh, uh, northeastern South Carolina, northern South Carolina, uh, almost to about Columbia. So that's that. Uh, that's the second part of all of this that SPC is is, is uh, talking about. And let me just bring the, the map back up. I don't know what I did with it. It just sort of disappeared. Oh, there they go. I see what I did. Never mind. Um, there. So uh, you can see the small severe thunderstorm watch that is up there for parts of North Carolina and the slight risk that runs up to the Delmarva Peninsula. Although I tend to think that uh, the northern part of that slight risk is probably not going to see very much at this point. If it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Uh, all, uh, Mark G uh, hitting Super Chat and Keith James II hit it again. Thank you, Keith. And Mark G hitting Super Chat tonight. He says, here's to us on the flip side heading towards shorter daylight hours and every day closer to winter. Oh, dear. They're already starting <laughs> to think about that, aren't they? They certainly has, has anybody, are. Has anybody put out a winter forecast yet? <laughs> Dare I ask? Oh, I've seen a couple. I saw I, I saw one back up in in June before summer before summer came up. Uh, and and you, I don't I don't need to tell you I, I don't need to tell you what that forecast was. You can pretty much figure figure that one out on your own. <laughs> it's pretty obvious what the forecast is. I mean, they, it's the same forecast the, every year. The Farmers Almanac hasn't even come out with their or the old Farmers Almanac hasn't come out with their forecast yet. So 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 uh -huh. what what's happened? You know, this Northwest flow. It's been pretty interesting. I mentioned this last night, and I'm going to say it to you. <clears throat> I, I just kind of not. I don't want to overstate this, but there's something about this whole pattern that I'm I'm, I'm finding a little odd. Maybe it's because of the fact that I, I, I'm trying to rack my brains thinking how how many years it's been since we've seen these sort of high amplitude troughs show up in the middle of the summertime because it just doesn't happen very often. And I seem to recall maybe when we were back in our younger days uh, during the time when hurricanes, uh, you know, were few and far between and most of them recurved off the East Coast. Uh, in those days, it seemed to me like we would get these uh, types of, uh, of uh, troughs to come down in the eastern part of the United States a bit more often than we kind of went through a stretch where they almost disappeared. Now they're coming back again. But this has been something, though, Joe, that's been hanging around here since June. I mean, we've really been dealing with this on and off uh, through the month of June and now through the month of July. And because of this northwest flow, we're getting these strong short waves that are coming down. And in particular, for the one for tomorrow, it's actually pretty impressive uh, that is swinging down through southeastern Canada and is going to be the trigger trigger mechanism for these st these storms. And it's also the trigger mechanism to an extent uh, for what's going on up in uh, Wisconsin and in the upper Midwest with the uh, risk of severe weather uh, that they're seeing that they're seeing there. Yeah, well, if that, that ridge continues to maintain its presence into the first part of August. Uh, the only thing that we could see here in the Northeast is indeed what is on the screen right now, and that is a uh, some kind of a trough or uh, upper low that allows for a persistent northwesterly flow. And that northwest flow also means um, fast movement. I mean, there, there's nothing going to be hanging out or hanging around here for any long length of time. Uh, quite a bit different than some of the summers that I could remember back in the 70s where everything was stagnant. 
and nothing moved for, for days and days at a time. And you, you were looking longingly to northern and central Canada for it to drop something in and break the back of a siege of heat or humidity or oppressive conditions. But this is a very odd pattern. You're absolutely right. We, we don't often see this. I do remember in 1979, and I only remember that because I was doing a, a program at the Mohonk Mountain House to coincide with that year's Perseid meteor shower in mid-August. We had uh, heavy rain, like I think on August 11th, and the rain continued into the 12th, and then it moved on out. And then for the next several days, we had gusty, I mean, really gusty and chilly northwesterly winds. And this, again, is in the middle part of August. And so I, it's, this is not something uh, unique. I do remember this happening a long, long time ago. And uh, it, it, it looks like it's going to try to happen again uh, yeah. in the uh, coming days and weeks. Well, we have a very strong ridge that, that has access down from Oklahoma northwestward up into western Canada and goes all the way up. I mean, this, this northwest flow uh, it has been a busy one. Uh, we've had our certainly our fair share of severe weather this month. And again, I go back to uh, with these troughs that can continue to drop down into the eastern United States. We're going into the month of August and the month of September. This is going to be something that we're going to have to pay very close attention to once the tropics wake up, and we know that the tropics will eventually wake up, it's, it's just a matter of time. Uh, be, right now, the pattern is very unfavorable in the Atlantic, and we can get into that and have uh, in the last few days, but we can sort of do a little refresher on this a, a bit later on. But in the meantime, we've got this strong trough that's dropping southeastward for tomorrow night. And then once that goes by, we are going to get a nice shot of low humidity for Friday after. I think you see the humidity just collapse on Friday in the afternoon, Friday night and Saturday. Saturday, I think it should be a really nice day uh, uh, for the most part and set us up for the next short wave, which is going to be coming through on Sunday with another cold front and maybe another chance for showers and storms. But I think the system for tomorrow is a bit more impressive than the one we're looking at today. And then we talked about this yesterday, Joe, with this trough in the east, and you see it here early next week. And the, the one thing I'm concerned about was the fact that the bottom part of that trough is going to try to lag back. And we saw this happen a few weeks ago, and we're seeing it again. The, the bottom part of that trough hangs back over the Great Lakes and actually forms a cutoff in northwest Ohio. And we start to set up in a south, south in a southwest flow here with a stalled front offshore. That could be problematic next week in terms of putting us in a position where we're sort of seeing where that stalled front is and whether waves start developing and moving along that frontal boundary, keeping us at least in clouds and maybe even some on and off rounds of downpours, depending on how it sets up. Yeah, and um, I, I I can see uh, on the 18Z GFS especially how it it it, it uh, that that short wave that's coming in for uh, for Monday uh, is trying to uh, why isn't my thing moving? Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's starting to move. Yeah, it tries to cut off. Um, yeah, that's that looks looks like a rather unsettled weather pattern. Yeah. For uh, for next for next week and the high. That's offshore. There's a ridge of high pressure off the mid-Atlantic and southeastern states that tries to flex its muscles for uh, for the latter part of next week into not this weekend, but the following weekend. So while this weekend may be 
dry, especially Saturday, dry and beautiful and sunny and comfortably cool. The following weekend, uh, the weekend of the 7th and 8th, because of that high, that, that, that ridge of high pressure that is trying to pump up like a balloon off the, the coast, because of that, we may see uh, a higher level of dew point temperatures, more humidity, and uh, yeah, there could even be some uh, unsettled conditions in the form of some clouds and scattered showers as well. Yeah, here, here's I, I, I moved it to next Saturday. We're, we're not this weekend, but next weekend, and we're we're back to what we Joe we saw when did, we just saw this ridges on both coasts, ridge ridge off or just off the east coast. Another big high building over Utah and Arizona. So if that's correct, that means the heat is going to flex again. Uh, in the uh, southwestern part of the United States and, and actually push up a little bit further to the north. So this is something we're going to certainly keep our eye on. And then, of course, you've got that trough right in the middle. We, we, we're, we're pretty much repeating something that we saw back in the early part of July. And this, as I've said, I, I, I often say, the trend is your friend. Uh, in weather, things, you get into a stretch of time lasting sometimes months where things just repeat themselves they're not identical but there's a certain air of similarity and you're seeing that here carrying through into the month of august so uh, we're just rolling along and uh, i i also notice here on this joe on the long range you know that northwest flow ain't that far away and you know we're talking about a model you know a long range that we're going to look at this tomorrow and there's going to be a few differences between what we're seeing now and what we will see tomorrow and I just look at this and wonder, is the Northwest flow going to suddenly flex itself again and push everything further south that maybe, uh, it, you know, these last couple of runs aren't exactly picking up on? Because that's what, that's what the history has been the last couple of months. Yes. Well, uh, the, this, this system that we're looking for tomorrow certainly brings uh, the uh, Northwest. Actually, it's more, it becomes more like a North-Northwest flow by the time we get to... Uh, to Friday, then that kind of lifts out, and we remain in that nice dry air mass, so nice dry airflow through Saturday, and then another um, another trough comes rolling through uh, during Sunday late into Sunday night, then that lifts off, and then the next system is the one that we just spoke of that is trying or seemingly trying to cut off somewhere over the Ohio or Tennessee River Valley, and then we're stuck in kind of a uh, a blah type of uh, westerly or west-southwesterly flow through a good part of next week. The, 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 the next system or the next Canadian trough that might otherwise try to come on down actually appears to get sheared off uh, to the north of the Great Lakes during not this weekend, but the following weekend. So we really don't get the benefits of that. And then yet another one pivots around and comes on through as we move toward uh, the 10th and the 11th of August uh, through the Great Lakes. And uh, that may set us up for some nice weather for a couple of days around again around the 11th and 12th. But again, now we're talking about over 300 hours away. And as you just mentioned, Joe, uh, sometimes you have to look at the trends. What you see two to 300 hours out isn't necessarily going to actually happen. There could be some twists, some turns, some changes. So we'll see what happens as we get uh, closer. You may be right. You may uh, see the, uh, the Northwest flow flex its muscles and uh, try to push some of that uh, dry air from Canada back down into our part of the country uh, sometime in the early part of August. Yep. Uh, Ken uh, DPW, thank you very much. Uh, hitting Super Chat tonight. Uh, thank you for the nice compliment, by the way. Uh, we uh, we try our best. 
and we just have fun with it. And then I'm glad that it translates well uh, for those of you who are here every night. So thank you very much for hitting Super Chat. Uh, most uh, most appreciated uh, indeed. All right, so I pulled up. I've got the 700 millibar, which you know I like to look at when it comes to severe weather. And this is on the... Um, uh, on the NAM, on uh, no, the GFS, I want to go to the NAM model because that that at least works a little bit better. And you know, yesterday, this model was indicating some some pretty impressive jet streaks uh, coming through. And if you take a look here, now this is for tomorrow morning. You can see all those dark brown and almost black spots that that are crossing Ohio into Western Pennsylvania. You know, those are uh, jet streaks, and when you get into those darker spots, you're talking about winds at the 10,000-foot level uh, going up to 50 knots. And the reason why it's important is that uh, you look at this for clues. When you get these little jet streaks, it's a sign that you have some rather strong wind shear going on in the lower part of the atmosphere, and that oftentimes can trigger rotation. And you'll notice those streaks... They kind of peak in intensity across Pennsylvania, and they weaken a little bit, but they're still there uh, for tomorrow evening as they move across into eastern Pennsylvania and western New Jersey, and then eventually uh, also into parts of southern New England. So I think when you look at this 700 millibar, Joe, and the upper trough is kind of swinging down and around at the same time, you're going to have dew points tomorrow that are going to try to make a run over 70 uh, and and you know, some good uh, tropical forcing. Uh, the only thing, I guess, maybe the, to watch out for I, for tomorrow, and there are some hints of this on some of the short-range models, uh, is that you could have some renegade cells form out ahead uh, tomorrow morning into the early afternoon before the main thrust comes through later in the day. And sometimes when that happens, uh, you can oftentimes, those lead cells might, let's say, unjuice the atmosphere a bit and then when the main energy comes with the upper trough, there's less for it to work on. So that's a that's a forecast dilemma uh, for someone trying to figure out where the thunderstorms are going to be and who's going to wind up getting into some of the stronger cells. So we're going to have to watch tomorrow morning to see if some renegade cells form out ahead and kind of stabilize the atmosphere a bit. I, I agree with you that we could use something to come before the main system. I've been telling people that um, much of the day tomorrow, to me, will, you know, my sister, for example, she's going to be going to the Met game at City Field, and she asked about the weather. That's a 12 o'clock game tomorrow. And I said, well, what's probably going to happen is that you're probably going to get some spotty light rain uh, at, at, the, uh, at the start of the game. And then really not amounting all that much, but after two or three o'clock, I think the rain or the shower activity is going to start getting a bit steadier and maybe a bit heavier. But the main thrust of violent weather, potentially violent weather, uh, thunderstorms may not necessarily arrive until after six or seven o'clock. So, any, you know, you hear forecast tomorrow saying chance of afternoon thunderstorms. I don't I honestly don't think we're going to see thunderstorms rumbling about in the immediate tri-state area. Uh, during, let's say, 1, 2, 3, even 4 o'clock. But I think when, once we get past 6 o'clock tomorrow, that's when all eyes will be on the west and west-northwest portions of the New York City metropolitan area because that's where those storms are going to be coming from and dropping down. And, again, they could be nasty. And, Joe, I absolutely agree uh, with uh, many of our 
folks on the chat board that uh, it may not necessarily be a severe thunderstorm watch that may pop up or, or be placed in effect from uh, Norman, Oklahoma, that we may just very well uh, see a tornado watch. I think, I think though, what's going to happen is, is that the forecasters in, in Oklahoma are going to watch what happens in the next few hours over Wisconsin and uh, gauge what, what, what happens there and then gauge that on to what they plan to do for us right. later tomorrow and tomorrow evening. And uh, that'll tell the story of the difference, I think, between whether or not we do see a thunderstorm watch or whether or not they, they go full scale and go tornado watch. I'll tell you what, it seems like with all the thunderstorm watches that we have had so far, and we had like you know, a stretch of like five and seven days or something, some places did get um, reports of funnel or tornadic activity. Why not just go with with a tornado watch and just be done with it? I mean, uh, better safe than sorry. Yeah, no, no I, I, certainly all the ingredients are there for that to happen and, uh, and for them to do that. That and you, as you correctly point that point out, that's their job. So we'll let them do their job and see what uh, what 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 brings of it. Uh, but certainly from what we're analyzing here, as far as what's going on in the upper air and everything else, uh, would not be a shock. And also, I think this is a good time to point out. And, and and this 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 is something that always bothers me, and it's really according to who the not the forecaster per se, but the person that is consuming the information. You have to allow for the fact that in the summertime there is going to be a certain amount of variability when you call for a chance of thunderstorms. Some places are even even in cases where, I mean, we usually don't see instances where it's widespread wall to wall for hundreds and hundreds of miles most of the time you're going to see these clusters or you know some breaks in between and some people get clobbered okay and some people don't for those people in in on long island for example in southern new england you know we always joke about the fact that long island is the place where thunderstorms go to die uh, because of the wind coming in from off the ocean uh, at least in the spring and the first part of the summer uh, that's what happens. A lot of these storms get killed as they come in from the west. But when you get these troughs that are swinging down from the northwest, that's usually when the thunderstorms do tend to hold together. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm, I'm flinging through here the three-kilometer NAM, which you know has this impressive line tomorrow morning moving across western Pennsylvania, and then it kind of <clears throat> disintegrates a bit. And also, you see these renegade cells that form around 1 or 2 p.m. that run out yeah. ahead of it. And then you just kind of have these clusters that move through tomorrow evening and hang around. And then a couple of other stray cells bottom out. So you have to allow for the variability. If you hear that there's a chance or even a, a good chance of thunderstorms, yeah, that may very well be the case. But bear in mind, there are going to be spots that are going to wind up <clears throat> not getting so, you know, I often hear the complaint afterward that we didn't get the severe weather and, you know, I kind of want to say, well, I'm sorry you didn't get the tragedy you were hoping for. Maybe next time you'll be luckier. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Keith, <clears throat> Keith James hitting Super Chat again. Thank you, Keith. And Steve LaPointe hitting Super Chat yet again. As uh, our audience numbers are climbing, Joe, we have 111 folks. So just let me really quick, for those of you joining late, uh, we have a poll up there and, uh, starting this new thing that I'm able to do on uh, YouTube. So we'll put up a poll every night to talk about whatever the weather issue is of the given day. 
And tonight, just posing the question about tomorrow, uh, if you're an amateur meteorologist and you look at the maps, maybe you know this is where this is your opportunity to maybe just express your opinion on whether uh, we will see uh, a tornado watch up in areas from eastern Pennsylvania to southern New England, south down into Maryland, Delaware, northern Virginia, somewhere in there. Are we going to see a tornado watch put up or not? So far, it's it's almost an even split of, of 80 votes. 52% say, yes, we will. And 40, 48% say, no, uh, the Storm Prediction Center will not need one. And also, uh, there's a link up there for those of you who don't have the uh, my free MJC Meteorologist Joe Chaffee weather app. So you can not only follow the weather along, uh, you could get your local weather in your location, wherever that location happens to be in the United States. And you can watch the Joe and Joe and Weather Show and Weather in 5 live from the app. So you can just click on that link and you can download it on Google Play or on the App Store. And Johnny Quest also hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, most appreciated uh, that uh, Super Chat hits tonight have been pretty good. Thank you very much, guys. We really do uh, appreciate it. So so anyway, you see what the NAM 3 is doing. I'm going to bring up the... Um, uh, the FE3 model, this is one where I've been paying close attention to, A, because it's new, and B, uh, because on a few instances it's actually done okay, uh, although um, okay is not acceptable. Uh, the HRRR has been downright awful most of the time. And if you look at the FE3 for tomorrow, Joe, it's kind of, eh, it, it's not it, it's not as robust as the NAM 3 the first line dies in Western PA. You've got <clears throat> the renegade cells that form out ahead during the day and a couple of clusters with some bigger thunderstorms, but it's much less organized looking than what the NAM has. So this is, this is a risk. These short-term models are terrible when it comes to trying to figure out what actually happens on the radar. So bottom line is tomorrow, we're just going to look at the radar and, and play it from there. Um, obviously, <clears throat> you, you would like to see... Um, or rely on the HRRR or the 3-kilometer or even the 12-kilometer NAM uh, in this situation uh, to try to time things out. But the GFS is really robust, Joe. If you believe the GFS, they've got this thing coming through like a like a 40-ton Mack truck. They, they got it coming through, let's say, at about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which is way earlier, much earlier than what I was uh, planning on. And by the time we get to 0Z, or by the time we get to showtime for us tomorrow night, if the GFS is right, if you take it at face value, it's moving off to the east of uh, New York City across central and eastern Long Island, and it's all over in terms yep. of uh, active weather. So I don't know who or what model you want to believe. Certainly, we, we are going to be in line for some nasty weather, and I think the longer it holds off, uh, obviously, the worse it's going to be. That's why I'm thinking that uh, it may be more along the lines of the NAM and the uh, and the HRRR, although... The HRRR doesn't go that far out. Um, it, it's, it kind of stops at like 18 hours or stops. Right. You have to go to, yeah, you have to look at the 18Z run because that goes out 48 hours. Right. Right. So it, it'll, it's, it's going to be a, a, an active weather day tomorrow. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably have a better handle late tonight. And of course, first thing in the morning tomorrow as to just when this is going to, you know, move in on us. It's been a while. I, I seem to remember there was a system we had, um, not this year, but last year in April. I mean, we were actually on the air for that one. We, yeah. we made a special 
we made a special uh, thing to, to go on the air uh, as that was moving through. I was like at 12 or 1 o'clock. I think that was the one that uh, smashed into Camden and Philadelphia. Yes. And uh, and southern New Jersey. Yes. So I'm hoping... Let's hope it's not anything like that. I believe that was a direct. I believe that was a derecho, if I remember correctly. It was one of those weird uh, early spring type systems that, uh, and I think I even were, uh, we were even, uh, uh, you know, passing along. There were like technical papers written about, you know, this type of setup in the past that have that have happened. So this this is this is going to be interesting. And yep. We'll just see what happens. And uh, James H. hitting Super Chat tonight. Uh, thanks, uh, for James. We haven't uh, haven't seen you on the show, uh, on, on the chat board in a while. But uh, thank you very much for hitting Super Chat. Uh, Joe and I uh, most appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned last night, this is how we earn our living these days. And actually, we love every minute of it. All right, on to the G. Just, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, by the way, I just I just got, for those of you who were at the, at the beginning of the show, uh, the perils of uh, Renata and uh, cooking and people not showing up for dinner or whatever like that. Uh, my my wife and my daughter have now left the premises and they are now <laughs> on their way to my to my son and daughter in law's house because they are still <clears throat> waiting for this jerk who promised they'd be he'd be there by four o'clock to uh, fix the uh, the microwave. He still hasn't shown up. So rather than dropping dead and dying of hunger, can, can I just ask um, a qu- can I just ask a question? I mean, yeah. I. May I safely assume that they have a, a standard regular oven? Yeah, but she didn't make any, any plans to cook tonight. Okay. She being my daughter-in-law. Oh, all right. Yeah, oh, yeah, so we're gonna, we'll, we'll be over there, and we'll have a nice, lovely dinner with the family. And, uh, but, you know, this, <laughs> and, and this whole thing with the microwave, the, the microwave is attached to the oven, and it's a big microwave, and it, apparently what is malfunctioning is the LED... That gives you the the, the numbers. On oh, the, okay. Uh, on, on the thing, and so uh, this this guy apparently had to get get the part, and he's going to go in and we going to put the part in, and he did this and that and everything. But he still hasn't arrived yet, and now he's in real trouble. You know why he's in real trouble? Because now that he if he shows up now, when my wife is there, oh, she's going to have a field day with him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is not going to be very pleasant for that guy if he does, if he does finally show show up. If you know, a lot of you say, "Oh, my wife is very nice. She's very lovely. She plays Briller Jeopardy." Blah, blah blah. But you have not seen the other Renata. When she gets angry, you don't want to be anywhere near near there. I'd rather be. Let me put it this way, Joe. I'd rather be in the midst of that tornado watch in Wisconsin right now, yeah. as opposed to being at my in at my brother in law's, my son's house. Gotcha. Where, where, and let this let this guy go. Uh, anyway. uh, by the way, uh, Chuck Cardillo, I saw you ask your question before about uh, the the off the wall PNA, the Pacific North America Index, being off the wall for standard deviations positive. Is that the reason why we keep getting these troughs in the east? And the answer is yes. Big ridge in the west built all the way up into Northwest Canada means you have to have a corresponding uh, trough in the eastern part of the United States, and these short waves keep dropping in. Uh, one after another, and yeah, that that seems to be the case. Uh, it, it every once in a while the pattern relaxes and then it just flexes uh, again. I want to go back to the the uh, the, the GFS uh, here, Joe, because uh, just to take us take everybody through the weekend and into next week, uh, we have of course our front for tomorrow, and you see it here. Actually, the GFS in its own way has a rather robust looking radar. 
for tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening. Then that moves out, uh, kind of gets breezy here during Friday with a northwest wind between the low uh, sitting in the Gulf of Maine and the high in Wisconsin. You know, you don't often get a gradient like this in the summertime, but you, you're, you're going to get it later Friday. Friday, I think, should be like a, a pretty interesting day from the standpoint that I think the first part of the day may start out with leftover clouds, and then suddenly you're going to feel the humidity collapse around the middle of the day. And that carries us into Saturday, which should be delightful. Here comes the next short wave and the next chance for showers and thunderstorms. Almost looks to its extent, it looks like what we're going to go through tomorrow. Although I wonder whether the dew points are going to have any time to climb very much between Saturday and Sunday because we're going to be so low on Saturday. And then <clears throat> that front goes by, it stalls along the coast or just offshore, and then a wave... You think this was the winter time, Joe? A wave develops down in Georgia and moves up the coast just offshore uh, for Monday night and Tuesday. GFS has been insisting on bringing an area of rain up the coast here from this flat wave. And then after that goes out, because you still have that trough lagging back, there's more precip and energy lingering behind and hanging around along the coast pretty much all week long. So uh, we'll see if that winds up being the case. If that trough does lag... Next week is going to not be, it won't be the nicest week of the summer. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, it will uh, not be. Um, uh, as far as uh, the question about whether or not uh, we may go through a repeat of this late Sunday or Sunday night, it appears that the dew points on Sunday may not get much higher than 60 or 62 or whatever, or, or hovering more closer to uh, 60. However, However, I am looking at the uh, the plumes, Joe. Le plumes. The, the plumes. The yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, I'm looking at the cape, which is always interesting to look at when you're wondering about. Um, now, let's see. The, the Sunday is the first, right? Mm-hmm. And su Sunday's the first. Saturday's the thirty-first. Friday is the first. And I see, like, I see that, that this. Well, it's. The average, the average Cape value, uh, as that system, the uh, the short wave on the front is coming through late Thursday night and Friday morning, is 1,000, and I've seen a lot higher than that. Although there are several uh, models, more than a few, that are actually suggesting it could get as high as 2,300. So uh, there is some suggestion that there may be some uh, potency, so to speak, with this first system. But then on the first, I see not much at all. Um, it doesn't it doesn't show very much in the way of uh, significant cape for the uh, for the system later on Sunday or Sunday night. So I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's a chance for a shower or a storm, you know, late Sunday or Sunday night. But uh, nothing to compare with what we're going to uh, go through here later tomorrow and into tomorrow night. We'll see. All right. I uh... it seems, like the plumes, it seems like the plumes, by the way, want are more in line with uh, the worst of this coming tomorrow evening, as opposed to the GFS, who, again, wants to push all this through by midday or early afternoon tomorrow. The GFS it may be an outlier because most of the other models want to hold off on all of this, the heavy artillery, until the end of tomorrow and tomorrow night. And again, the 18Z GFS has it all rolling through uh, midday and early afternoon. So we'll see. We mentioned yesterday, at least with respect to the tropics, uh, we're looking here uh, at you know, I, 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 you, we, those of you who have been through tropical seasons with us know that I like to pull up this uh, map off the uh, off the GFS 
which shows uh, wind shear uh, between uh, the 5,000-foot level of the atmosphere going all the way up to about 25,000 feet or higher because when you have wind shear, uh, that usually uh, is a hostile situation for tropical cyclone development. And if you look here on this loop, and we'll start at 72 hours, uh, in uh, the parts of the subtropical and eastern Atlantic, you got a lot of upper lows here that are hanging around, Joe. So when, with, with the presence of a lot of these upper lows, there's not really a whole lot of room for stuff to, to be able to develop. Uh, and of course, if you look at the areas where you see the yellow and orange and, and that's deep in the tropical Atlantic, you've got 40 and 50 knots worth of wind shear going on in the tropical Atlantic. So, uh, you know, this overall environment here that we're seeing through this weekend and going into next week is not favorable really for tropical cyclone development. Now, there are a couple of tropical waves that move off and in fact, Early next week, you see there's a 10-12 low that's printed out uh, in the uh, tropical Atlantic here on the GFS, somewhere at around 9 points, just about 10 degrees north and 32 degrees west. But uh, it, there's this hostile environment, and it really doesn't go anywhere in terms of developing. Now, finally, something else seems to come out around day 10 that starts to move along toward the west-northwest. And... This would kind of fall into the time frame. I, I think we're going to have to wait until about after August 6th or 7th uh, where you start to see a bit more of a slightly more favorable look uh, to uh, the uh, tropical and subtropical Atlantic. But again, I, there are a lot of upper lows running around. So this is going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how long it's going to take for the, for, for the uh, tropics to rev up. I mean, we may have to wait till mid-August before uh, anything has uh, the ability to, to uh, start developing. So at least for now, we're kind of in this, you know, let's call it the, a, a peaceful place uh, with respect to uh, tropical cyclones. I don't think there'll be too much complain, complaining about that uh, if we can, uh, uh, you know, uh, put off uh, any kind of tropical cyclone development. Uh, well, you know, Joe, we, you know, we mentioned over and over again, looking too far down the road, and I'm looking at, <laughs> I, this is why I, I scratch my head and I'm saying to myself, how valid, how valid could this possibly be? On the 354-hour GFS, <laughs> this is the 18Z. Yes. 354, that's for 12Z Thursday, August 12th. Okay. They have, they have a high-pressure system centered over Du Bois, Pennsylvania. You want to know how strong the high is? It's a 1030 high. When was the last that's time you put saw that's pushing it, that, boy. For this time of year. The last time you saw a 10:30 high in mid-August in the northeastern United States. I'd love to see it happen because it certainly would mean great weather and cool and dry. But where was the But last the, you know what? The thicknesses don't make any. High. Yeah, but you know, I look. I'm looking at this now, and the thicknesses don't exactly make sense. So I would think that if you had a 10:30-ish high uh, in that position at this time of year. That you probably should have at least a 558 or a 552 thickness down. I mean, there's a 558 thickness across central New York State, but I would think that you would see something a bit more impressive than that. And then looking at the upper air that matches with it, I mean, there's a trough that comes through. You know, there's some kind of shortwave trough, but it's not like the ones that we're seeing for tomorrow and for Sunday. 
it's a whole lot weaker. Actually, it's, let me let me just correct myself. Early on, Joe, if you look at the the, the if you look at the 500 millibar at around 280 hours or just before that, there's a big there's a strong short wave and upper low that moves across southern Canada near James Bay, and you know I'm, I'm you look at this on the 306. I, mean, I don't know why I can't believe we're talking like this. But we're looking at this on this long range and you see a short wave like this and you think, oh, you know what? There's probably a really solid, strong high behind it uh, that's going to come in with uh, low humidities and really cool air. But then the trough kind of lifts out and weakens before it gets here. So, yeah, that and, and to answer your question, I don't know. I don't remember the last time we saw a 1030 high uh, in the first 10 days of August. I don't know that I've ever seen one that, that, that at this time of year. That, that storm that you mentioned near James Bay, you're right. It actually kind of, the, the, the good stuff actually shears off to our north before it ever has a chance to get here. And yet, the, this high, this, uh, this ridiculously high high pressure zone, they, they have it at uh, 1022 over the Dakotas. And normally, in, in the midsummer, you see strong high pressure coming from Canada and weakening as it gets into our neck of the woods. This one, according to the GFS, actually strengthens yeah. uh, to the 10:30, as I said, by the time we get. And let me also point out that it looks like that uh, as soon as that high passes over us, that opens the door for some really warm, if not downright hot weather here, for let's say the 13th and 14th of August. And again, now we're talking really ridiculous. We're talking about like 366 hours out, but uh, it's kind of fun to just see what the uh, the machines. That's what Tex Antoine used to call them. He didn't call them computer guidance models. He would refer to them as machines. Well, we're looking at the machines right now. Yeah. That's what they're saying. That's what the machines are saying for like 12 and 14 days down the road. So, well, and there's a squall, there's a squall line of thunderstorms that moves through on uh, August 10th, Wednesday, August 10th. So, okay, see? so we'll put the watch. We'll make sure we put the watch box up now. Right. Thanks, uh, well, uh, Johnny Quest. I, I forgot to take put the maps back up um, to show this last part here, but uh, I, they're up there now, so you, you got them. All right, let's do a little bit of uh, Le Jeopardy de Brilar. Uh, Mr. Scott, yeah, I do uh, have it, and you uh, have it, so we'll, we'll, we'll get the chairman sent it to you. Me. Yes, he did. Here's another... As he writes, and here's another world-famous, never-duplicated Briller Jeopardy movie debut for Mr. Chiappi, and he has to come within, he says, three years of a movie debut. Okay. And get eight, eight out of ten correct. If you get eight out of ten correct, you will have a, a you will have a feature starring role in the upcoming remake of Hitchcock's The Birds. Are they making a remake of The They Birds? better not be. They better not be. I, I will not watch it. I don't watch remakes of original classics. They 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 should not be redone. That might never to be humble opinion. Um, but go ahead, let's go. I I don't know if I'm feeling it tonight, but let's go. Let's see how I do. Well, the first one is a is an animated uh, 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 motion picture, Pinocchio. Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh Lord. 40, I'm trying to think if that came before Snow White or afterward. I don't remember. I'll say, I'll say uh, 41, 1941. Close. 1940. 
Hey, fiddly D, an actor's life for me. And that, well, never mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I wanted to see Pinocchio. They, they re-released it in the early 60s. Unfortunately, uh, I had, when I was very young, I was a sickly kid. And I believe I had a bout with asthma at that time and was actually in the hospital, missed out. Never saw Pinocchio, really, until I myself had children. And then when my, my son and my daughter arrived, Disney came out. They said they opened the vault, put it on a VHS cartridge, got it, and I got a chance to sit. And actually, I, it was a, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. So anyway, Boomtown, Joe, number two. Boomtown? Boomtown or Boomtown? Boom. Boom town. Oh, boom town. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like a movie that probably was done in the early 1930s. I don't even... I, you know, I, I recognize the title, but I can't visualize who was in the movie. It is, a, it is an American adventure film directed by Jack Conway, starring Clark Gable, Spencer Tracy, Tracy. Claudette Colbert... Hedy Lamar. Hedy Headley. 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 And the supporting and the supporting cast featured Frank Morgan, the Wizard of Oz, Lionel Atwill, <clears throat> Chili Wills. I yeah, I never heard of Chili Wills. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Colbert, Gable, Tracy. Headley. Headley. Um, I'm going to say, and Frank Morgan, I'm going to say 19, I, I think, I, you know, I'm thinking this is a pre-1940 movie and not a post-1940 movie. What's throwing me off a little bit is Headley Lamar, Hedy Lamar, <laughs> who, by the way, by the way, I don't know if, do do uh, do a Google search on Hedy Lamarr. She's a fascinating woman. She was uh, she was a big deal in World War II in terms of stuff that she developed some kind of device that um, that they used during the war. I think it was I don't remember specifically, but it's a fascinating story. So you know, she's she's yeah. It says right here, and co-invented an early version of frequency hopping spread spectrum communication. Right, and she did it in between. She did it in between scene changes. <laughs> no, stop it, but seriously, I mean, she was actually that was what 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 she invented was very important in the in the World War II effort. Uh, I'm yeah. going to say I'll say 1936. Joe, you missed by one. 1940, but you're outside of the three year limit that Mr. Okay. Miller had put up, so you missed out on that one. Here's one. Road to Singapore. Oh, God. Is that one of those Bob Hope movies? I think I think so. I think... Uh, While you look that up, some... the chairman hitting Super Chat, uh, his mother had his... M uh, mother mother Briller had her MI, MRI today listening to Tom Jones. Okay, that works. Uh, and uh, results for tomorrow. So fingers crossed that everything's going to be okay. Now... Um, Directed by Vin Vincent... Schwarzinger and starring Bing Crosby, Dorothy Lamour, and Bob Hope, based on a story by Harry Harvey. The film is about two playboys trying to forget previous romances in British Singapore where they meet a beautiful woman. 
I'll I'll say I'll say nineteen. I never really cared for the Bob Hope movies, to tell you the truth. Um, I'll say nineteen forty-two. You were within range. It's nineteen forty. Okay. And now here, number four, one that you and I grew up with, I think, and we were always happy when it appeared on the uh, Saturday night at the movies or whatever. The Incredible Mr. Lippet. The Incredible Mr. Lippet, who I I don't I don't think I've ever seen that. Come on, Joe. Who's You've in never it? Never seen the Incredible Mr. Lippet. Who's in it? Well, the star of the movie was Don Knotts, and he is very big into fishes, and he has uh, hopes and dreams that he one day could interact with the fish, and he falls into uh, into the water in Brooklyn, and he changes into a fish. Oh, okay, win. all right, yeah. And he helps, yeah. And he helps win, and he helps win World War Two. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that he did that. Did he do that movie after Andy Griffith or before? I think he was still doing Andy Griffith when when he did that. All right, so then I'll say 1963. And you are within one. It was 1964, and uh, it was a it was a combination live action and animated comedy film based upon a 1942 novel, Mr. Limpet, and it's about a man named Henry Limpet who turns into a talking fish and helps the United States Navy locate and destroy Nazi submarines. By the way, Bill Kennedy putting up at the beginning of World War II, Lamar and, and composer George Anthel developed a radio guidance system using frequency hopping spread spectrum technology for Allied torpedoes. So that, that's, that's, I, st- I think that's, that's, that's pretty cool, by the way. Um, okay, go ahead. What's the next one? Joe also want to point out that in that movie, uh, uh, Mr. Limpet, Elizabeth McRae played the role of Don Knotts' girlfriend, girl fish friend, Lady Fish. And again, you, you don't see Elizabeth McRae, you just hear her voice. But if the voice sounds familiar, you may remember Gomer Pyle. Elizabeth McRae played Gomer Pyle's girlfriend, Luann Poovey. So she she had the distinction of being the girlfriend to both Gomer Pyle and to Barney Fife. <laughs> uh, well, it was funny when I nice. thought about it initially. Number five, airport. Airport? 19, 1970? Right on the nose. And... Uh, you know, I remember uh, seeing that uh, like a year or two after it uh, debuted on on a on a Sunday night at the movies on Channel Seven, ABC. And uh, I, I gotta tell you, they, if for nothing else, the 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 music is uh, is very dramatic. That, yes. that, that really makes that really makes the uh, the movie. All right, the next one on the list is this is number six. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart, Claude Rains, Thomas Mitchell, 19. Uncle Charlie. William Demarest. Hmm. 30. 38. Missed by one, 39. 1939. Okay. And 
and you there's one person, one act, actor that you did not mention, Beulah Bondi. Beulah, yeah, all right, Beulah Bondi, who was also in It's a Wonderful Life. Beulah Bondi played Jimmy Stewart's mother in four different movies. She wasn't it's that much older than him, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't. She played, she played his mom in It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, but also of Human Hearts and Vivacious Lady. So somebody asked her, he said, you, you, you're playing her, Jimmy Stewart's mother again. She said, I'm all, I am Jimmy Stewart's mother. Yeah. I play every, every film that needs a mother. I, I'm the, like, you know. And, and, and I, if I remember correctly, I think she died kind of in, in a sad way. Uh, I think she was in her, I'm thinking she was in her 90s and she tripped over her cat and fell and hit her head on the on like the coffee table and then you know wound up dying. So she was born. She was born in 1889, and she died January 11th, 1981. Yeah. So she lived a pretty a pretty good long full life. She sure did. And it was, and 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 I guess we could use the uh, title of another uh, movie describing her death. Uh, that damn cat, <laughs> huh. or that darn cat. Bondi died from. Pulmonary complications caused by broken ribs suffered when she tripped over her cat yeah. in her home on January 11, 1981. So if she didn't have the damn cat, she could have lived a lot longer. Well, she might have. But, the you know, oh. I, I guess it, it was time. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's just like, that's just an odd way to to end your life, I guess. Tripped, um, tripped over her cat. Right. All right. Next. So that was... Number six. Number seven, Lost Horizon. Oh, God. I don't, you know what? I don't know. Lost Horizon? That's not a movie that I've actually watched, that I've actually seen. Um, I mean, I know of it, but I don't think I've actually sat through it. So I'm going to just, I'm going to take a completely wild guess here and say 1947. Off by a full ten years. Joe. Okay, nineteen thirty-seven. All right. Well, I knew it was an early, but I didn't realize it was that early. Now you got to get the you got to get these last three in order to be eligible to be in the remake of the Birds. <laughs> Number eight is Spartacus. Uh, which, by the way, um, Christina Pedia said uh, that they actually are remaking the Birds, and I will not see it. Spartacus, I'm going to say 1960. On the nose, 1960. How about the good, the bad, and the ugly? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I would probably add to that the tired, because that's, that's what I am right now. Um, I'm, uh, 65. That's your final answer? 65. That's 1967, but you wrote in the three-year, you know, okay. minus category. Last one, number 10. This is for all the marbles, Joe. Star Wars. 70... 1970... Oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry! Um... 77? 1977. Okay. And, and we, will, we will pardon that. <laughs> yes, please, by all means. 
1977. So you got eight out of ten. Yeah, we're starting to get to movies that in these in, in the movie list that I haven't seen but have heard of. I mean, some I've I've seen, but uh, there's a few of them. You know, we're starting to see more of these that I haven't seen. So I have to, you know, I got to look at my Turner list and see see what's going on, <laughs> so I can I can at least I can watch them. Some people get confused, like Craig Craig Carlberg, for example, when we were talking about uh, airport. He said, I was thinking of airplane. <laughs> yeah, no, there was airport, and then I think there was airport 75, which was a sequel uh, to yeah. it. And that's those yes. are, and then the airplane movies are actually parodies of those airport movies. So if you look at the right. if you if you watch the airport movies, particularly the first one, you'll understand where the airplane humor comes from because they're they're parodying 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 parody. Um I am tired. They they're making fun of <laughs> they're making fun of those the the airport the airport Air, movies. Best line best line in the airplane movie was Lloyd Bridges when he said, I sure picked a hell of a week to stop sniffing glue. No, yeah. <laughs> Although of course they, of course there's the the classic where the uh, the guy pulls off the weather map from the the he pulls off the weather map off the die fax machine. The, right. The fax and the machine. guy and he said, you know, and what do you what do you make of this? Make oh this? I can make a hat, I can make a brooch. <laughs> <laughs> make a <laughs> <laughs> oh the the world we lived in. All right, uh, time to go. So um, thanks, everybody, for the Super Chats tonight. Most appreciated. Again, if you haven't done it already, the link up there is to download the free MJC Weather app so you can watch the Joe and, show, Joe and Joe Show live and get notifications. When YouTube doesn't send them to you, I send them to you on the Meteorologist Joe Chaffee app, and it's absolutely free, so you can download it on Google Play or on the App Store. Uh, it's almost a 50-50 split tonight, Joe, on our poll. 98 votes. Uh, severe weather Thursday with the SPC's risk of uh, 2 to 5% for tornadoes. Uh, will we see a tornado watch? 51% say, say yes. 49% say no. Well, again, we'll, uh, at least I will stress, whether we get a tornado watch or a severe thunderstorm watch tomorrow here... I think will be dependent upon what the forecasters at SPC in Oklahoma see in what happens in the next few hours over Wisconsin. And uh, if they have a lot of uh, funnel cloud and tornado uh, outbreaks out there, I'm pretty sure that uh, we will be seeing tornado and not severe thunderstorm watches tomorrow. Right, and 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 they'll get a, it'll also be a good indication of just what kind of shortwave we're actually uh, dealing with. So uh, just a. Uh, 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 one other thing before we go, a little bit of um, of business, uh, and that is, if I can manage to do this, because uh, I'm always having some technical issue one way or another. The Joe and Joe Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. 631-756-1125 is the phone number. The website is omnitruevalue.com and also wholesale holiday lighting by Giannini at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst. Uh, holidays are coming, folks, so give them a call for a home decorating or maybe you want to be a home decorator. 631-957-5106, 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst 
and the website liholidaylighting.com. So everybody will. By the way, Joe. Yes. But by the way, on the chat board, Alaska Railroad. Yes. He's in Wisconsin tonight. Whoa! Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. He says, I'm now just getting He says, I'm now getting storm warnings now here. Looks like it's on its way. Good luck, Alaska Railroad, and uh, report back tomorrow night and let us know how it all went, turned out. All right, everybody stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow at 7.30 Eastern Time. Nighty-night. Nighty-night.